The Listening Show. A show you can listen to. <laughs> I don't tell you for longer. I saw it was next. It was Shoot! I, I, to, I actually double pressed it, but I meant yeah. to do another. The show you listen to. <sighs> Turn it down just a tiny bit. Sorry, it's a little loud. <laughs> Continue with your with your joke unless you want to try that again. I ruined time. it myself. The whole point, I was going to do like four or five very small statements like that, the listening show. Clap, clap, clap. I prepared a bit and that was it. <laughs> I, should, I should get that. <laughs> I should do something like that for next time. I should have sounds on here and incorporate that into the intro somehow. That would be good. Speaking of intro, it says... On the beginning, intrographic.exe. I forgot to put in our logo because we have a logo now. Mm. It should, so next time. I looked this time. It's on the computer. It's upstairs. You should just replace it with text that says our logo. Yeah, well. The logo. That was the idea of what's <clears throat> what's in there. Mm. Did you happen to have any topic ideas today? No. No? I think we're both low energy jebs today. Yeah, I have a, I have a terrible headache. Well, I have a good headache, so... Do you actually? No. Well, kind of. It's a good headache because it's barely there, but it's there. Yeah. I was mostly making fun of terrible headache. It's kind of a redundant. I mean, we we say things like that all the time. Not you and me specifically, but people in general. I got a bad headache. Oh. I got a good one. Oh, was it a, well, yeah, yeah, so. But if there was a good headache, I have a good headache. It's the, the tiniest one possible. Doesn't even bother me. I think I've had good headaches before. It was actually oddly pleasurable. There were good sicknesses, like a good fever. Yeah. Like where it's like, just tired, but not in pain necessarily, just kind of immobilized. That's a good fever. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are good versions of some illnesses. Interesting. But it's true because I know what you're talking about. It's, yeah. It feels like you're high. It's like, oh, man, I feel so sick, but not Does bad. it? Cause <laughs> it's like not bad, though. Does it actually feel like being high? A little bit. Because I wouldn't know. Yeah. Speaking of which, so my dad came over and... You guys got high? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, my dad came over to fix something. Um, he likes fixing things and he's good at it. So I offered to make him some chicken because I was making chicken. And then I thought, well, I, I should make a drink. And all I have is the stuff from Moscow Mules. So I made one of those. Um, and I gave it to him. I know, I know, I know he doesn't drink alcohol. I know that, but I gave it to him and I said, you don't have to drink this if you don't want to. It's symbolic. It's like when the villain in a movie gives it to the hero while he's giving his monologue or evil speech. It's, you don't necessarily have to drink it. It's just a gesture. He said, mm. Okay. And then he drank it. Um, and he said, that's the first time I've ever had beer. And I was like, I just thought about how bizarre that is to hear from a 58 year old man. I thought about it and I went, I trust him. I don't doubt that. And so I, I, but I asked, not in doubt, but like, I think I said, have you ever had alcohol before? He goes, I tried some, I tried some, some, some things before, but I didn't like, I didn't care for them. I didn't care for the taste, something like that. And I was like, but that's your first beer. He goes, yeah, I've never had a beer before. And I was like, hmm. And a mixed drink. Yeah, it's and, I, and, I, and he said this is a weird. He was looking at the the can. And he said ginger beer. I said it's not really a beer, mm. but 
Yeah. He goes, well, I, I can say I've had a beer. <laughs> like, that's such a bizarre person for someone that old to say, but it's also, strangely, in my perception, badass. I don't know why. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know why, but I equate it to this other badass thing I saw scrolling and uh, Instagram wall. It showed a guy who's probably my, my dad's age, um, but he's in good shape and shorts. He's like smiling while meditating or something just somewhere. And it's in the caption was a man meditate or man hikes to the top of Mount Everest wearing only shorts. I was like, badass. But for some reason in my mind, even though objectively they're not the same, I equate going that long without ever having something that's so easy to have versus this great physical feat. <laughs> and they're yeah. both like happy about it. I don't know. Yeah. End of story. Interesting. It is interesting. When was that? Today. With your dad? Yeah. Cool. How's he doing? Good, I think. He's always happy to come over, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When was the last time he came over? I want to say 10 days ago to fix something else. Oh. Tiny things. He fixed the rail on the staircase. The one I've always told you, don't put your hand on it because it'll break off. Fix that. Nice. Yeah. Now so it's I, a new house. And I, when he fixed this, I said, can you slide down there? And he looked at it and looked back. And goes, I, I'd give it like one slide. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, don't slide on it. I'm saving it. <laughs> I'm saving it. You're going to cash in your slide coupon well, one of these if, days. Like, if, yeah. If I move out of this house, which I, I, I would ideally at some point, that's when I do it on the day I move out. Yeah. <laughs> It breaks, and even it's not yeah. probably weren't now. You have a girl over, and you want to impress her. You're like, this no, is sorry. My one slide. Actually, if I did that, I would say, cool thing about <laughs> the slide or <laughs> handrail, <laughs> it's on slide. <laughs> yeah, I tell her everything I told you, and I go, but we can't use it. <laughs> I'm saving it. It's like the it's like a Johnny Depp or it's like Captain Jack with one bullet that he's saving for Kinda, Barbosa. Yeah, but only I would be obnoxious and I'd tout it to everybody who comes from my house. See that that handrail? Yeah. It's got a one use. <laughs> Do you ever think about how dis sorry, I don't mean to no, jump I'm done. topics. Do you ever think about how disrespectful it was to the original writers of Pirates of the Caribbean, the fact that they did such an amazing job of writing the one bullet storyline where he saved it for Barbosa just to bring him back to life in the second one. <laughs> you know? Well, I get that. There's definitely some kind of an insult there, but at the same time it's the principle of the thing. It doesn't change what well, I guess it kind of changes what Jack did. Here's an example of where it really is ruined. Um Star Wars the original trilogy, Vader, Anakin. I guess this is all as important. Bad, seemingly unredeemable <clears throat> guy, his son redeems him and he and Vader Anakin saves the galaxy and then rise and sky, he, by killing Palpatine well in the new trilogy Palpatine's alive so the thing that Vader did doesn't matter I think it's the same the principle of what Vader did is good but in the grand scheme of things it doesn't matter so yes very mm-hmm. much like Barbosa that's very cool what Jack did but in the end it doesn't matter so yes it's yeah. kind of disrespectful they weren't expecting to make a sequel mm-hmm. That movie was based off of a ride yeah. at Disney, which I, I didn't know that was a thing. I knew they made rides at Disney based off of movies. I didn't know they did it backwards, but they did it backwards. And it so, it's so crazy how not just movies, almost all media, you never know what's going to be popular or famous 
There are things that you think this is going to be a hit when it comes out and it bombs, or they think this can be a suck and it's the biggest thing ever. Shrek is kind of like they tried to have like one of the biggest things ever, and then there's big movies that shoot. What's one that was huge and failed? A billion dollar. Well, John Carter of Mars doesn't really count, but there's there's all kinds of examples. You never know. But Pirates of the Caribbean happened to be one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. They keep like trying to force dystopian worlds to be the next big one. Like they tried with Hunger Games, and they tried with Divergent, and they tried with See, like, Maze Runner. They keep doing dystopian future teenagers who are angsty and romantic, and always running from people who try to kill them because they're capitalistic. And none of it like works a little bit, but it's like dead after a year. And I wonder why that is. I wonder if it's because it's all. Have you seen Divergent and Maze Runner? Because I haven't seen them. I just think that they're Hunger Games esque. Is that fair? Yes, okay. I haven't seen. I've seen the first Maze Runner, and I think it was the worst of all three of them. There's three Maze Runners. There's of the three series, uh, of between Hunger Games, oh, okay. Divergent. Sorry. I think in order they go Hunger Games, Divergent, Maze Runner. If in, I had to guess, in the order they or in order of best to worst, best to worst. Okay. Yeah, and and actually Divergent, the books were. I think better than the Hunger Games books, in my opinion. Did you read both the books? Okay. I really liked the Divergent books. They did great. The <laughs> Divergent movie was like fine, but it was dumb too. You would hate it. You'd be like, that is stupid. And it is because it's kind of stupid, but like, like the books are pretty good. I would hate what the books because they're stupid. You hate the movie? movies because they're stupid. Okay. Yeah. Because they actually do a decent job of, telling the book story but they just did like the actors are dumb and they you mean the characters or the yeah. actors no the characters the characters are written really well the oh. characters are acted kind of different than how they were written okay like like the, the some of the characters were supposed to be like rustically good looking but not naturally good looking and all of the characters were just super hot and it was yeah, like it's right. not that's not the character the character was Made attractive because of his behavior, not because he was super hot and everybody pretended like he was just stupid, like not pretty. It's who it made me mad. Go ahead. There's memes about how uh, high schoolers in movies versus high schoolers in real life, <laughs> yeah, right? It's like that. And the other one was um, Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker. Peter Parker's written to be like this nerdy kid. And I, know where you're going. I wasn't the one who thought this, but I was like, why is this exceptionally attractive guy, Peter Parker? It's not Peter Parker's character. So I, it's that thing of just making but, them all. Yeah. But actually, to the cartoons, Andrew Garfield's probably the most accurate one. I thought that's where mm-hmm. you were going to go with it. Tom Holland, character wise, is most accurate for one big reason, in my opinion, because he's the right age. Mm-hmm. So he's a kid in, in the. Yeah. Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Well, Andrew Garfield's supposed to be playing a. Was he a high school or a college kid? But Tom yes. Holland's actually playing the correct age, which is 16 anyway. So, like, literally. He's an actual yeah. ch- He's a child size. Yes. Andrew Garfield's probably as tall as I am. He looks tall. I think he did the best job of acting like Spider-Man. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Andrew Garfield. I was thinking I mean, of Peter Parker specifically. Like, his, I think his demeanor was the most like Peter Parker of all three of them. Like, everybody... I thought where you were going to go... Like, one of the consensus things I'm seeing is how everyone's like... What the heck is wrong with Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man? He's not even anything like Spider-Man. And then people who are real comic book readers are like, actually, he's the most like Spider-Man. And I've read the comics, and so I agree. Like, like Tobey Maguire, everybody loves the Tobey Maguire movies, but that's just because they were well done. 
and they're goofy enough and, rem- and memorable, but he wasn't a good Spider-Man, really. I guess we leave Toby out of this, but Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man did some really <sighs> jerk things that weren't in Spider-Man's character. I think it was the first one when he's webbing up a bad guy and a cop is trying to intervene and then a <clears throat> cop draws a gun on Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man and he takes the gun on the cop and is like, well, I just, I just solved this crime for you. Like, that's not what Spider-Man would do. That's true. He would be more humorous and more humble. Yeah. He was kind of an asshole. Is that the word? Yeah. Kind of. He had a bit of that going on. He it wasn't awful. Just, I think Tom Holland's is changing close. I have not read the comics, though. Oh. So, Yeah. What do I know? Because Peter Park, because Peter Parker, true in the comics, the real Peter Parker is like handsome and charming and popular, and but he's he's all those things because he's very sanguine. He's very outgoing and very witty and funny and quick. He's not an asshole though. So you're right. I he, I think Andrew Garfield was at least had moments where it was like which that's isn't not his Spider-Man. fault. I mean, right? And it was written script. in. And I was, just, but but for the most part, the the whole bits where he's talking to Gwen Stacy, and it's all very bashful, but still charming, and and he's being flirtatious but bold, like all that was like that is Spider Man, that's yeah. Peter Parker, that was how he was, and he's smart, but he's not like, anyway, I think I think that, who knows, Tom Holland did great too, yeah, he's he's like good, he fits into the Marvel good you know <laughs> i don't know he fits into the, all the other characters fine and he does a good enough job my brain was going off and thinking about how some people can't disassociate an actor from the rest of the movie they can't disassociate them from the character or the script or the director and all the things that happen that, that influences what the actor has to do for example if there's a bad movie and there's a bad character, people bomb that actor for being so horrible, and it's not their fault. Hayden Christensen. That's a, yeah, that's a good example, um, which is too bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know what percentage of people are that way. Hopefully not the majority. I don't think it's the majority of people, but it still sucks. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I was watching that Red Letter Media, the Mr. Plinkett's review of some of those Star Wars movies. You watched um, Revenge of the Sith? Because I actually rewatched them all like the past two days, the first three movies. I watched the, thir- the yeah, the, Revenge of the Sith. Because yeah. those are the three he did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite part was the, the one that I watched was the part when he's talking about how garbage it is. And he said, this thing is a pile of, well, I'll show it on the screen. And then it shows the letters S H I and T, but they're like yeah. fading into existence <laughs> and you see them getting closer no. to where it's going to spell what shit. He's, yeah. He says, if you rearrange the letters, yes. it, you can closely <laughs> see what it is. And it fades. Yeah. Listening to the <laughs> that turns into garbage. No, goes, no. It says to see, which oh, is, which, the, which which is, is the other word, word for garbage. Yeah. I think it's Chinese word for dispo for disappointment in, in, in garbage, I thought like that. So he made it up, but it was so tishy. funny. He's always a tishy, tishy, which is in Chinese. <laughs> the disappointment for this. Yeah, moving like on. <laughs> I digress. He's got his. Yeah, I wish he funny. would still make those because they're they're silly. Well, but it looks like a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, geez, when he did that, there wasn't a lot of that going on. Like the first, the first movie, Phantom Menace. It's 
like seven, ten minute videos. It's over an hour. Each movie reviews over an hour. That wasn't normal back like ten years ago. Now it's pretty normal to have hour long, two hour long essays about movies, which I enjoy. Yeah. But yes, it's, it's a lot of work. And I, I tried to explain this to you. I said, okay, so you know Red Letter Media, right? And you know the wheel, the best of the worst series. That's kind of like, it's like one of their normal, easier shows. Not super funny, not whatever, but it's good. And then he has Mr. Plinkett's reviews. Those are like his Moto Monday. Those are like his best and so I think you eventually watched it. Would you agree? Like that's that's what most people know the channel for. That's what people want to see. Doesn't mean the rest of it's bad. That's just the best. Is Mister Plinkett's reviews? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't blame him for not wanting to do that all the time. Yeah. And I think he said something about. And I totally get. It. He says I'm not going to make a video if I don't want to make it. Like, fair enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't want to make things out of obligation or spite, even. Yeah. Man. So I, I hope he gets around to wanting to make something else because I would be happy to watch it. But in the meantime, I I don't. Yeah, I'm not upset. I'm so. I what my fun the funniest thing that that he pointed out, which I always sort of subconsciously recognized about those prequel movies, is that the blocking. Yes, <laughs> how it is all every scene is the exact same. <laughs> Slowly walking, and then there's a couch, and then one of them stands up, and then the other one and stands up, and the slowly walking scene by scene to show yes. they do the exact. They both sit, they stand, they, yep. they do the same. It's the same. It is the exact same. I was like, <gasps> and then oh my gosh, the funniest observation when Mace went, when Anakin goes, I think that the Chancellor is is a Sith Lord, a Sith Lord. We must move quickly. And then they walk slowly <laughs> <Yeah>. away. <laughs> I was like, they do walk slowly. I think slowly. they might want to move at like a brisk pace. <laughs> yeah. And then he compares. And they stop again. Yeah. Yeah. A Sith Lord? We must move quickly. If the Jedi orders to survive. And then just kind of walks slowly. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. That whole. They're so silly. It's yeah. such a large jump to make for a, a man to be like. Save my wife's life. I will teach you how to save your wife. Okay. Kill kids. Like, Whoa, wait. What? Wait, that's a big kid. jump. No, it's, uh, yeah. He kills Mace Windu because he's forced to make a choice. Ha! Then- <laughs> I'm trying to be Sam Jackson. Ha! What is on like? Ha! Or text to speech. Ha! Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Ha! <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Anakin kills Mace Windu, and Zidius goes to cheat death is power me one. Does somebody say my my wife's life to cheat death is power me one? I want us to achieve, but we work together and we can discover the secret. Like, wait, what? I, can we do this like now? Because she's gonna give birth in like six hours. <laughs> I didn't know. And we need you need you to kill the Jedi. Wait, kill all the Jedi? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it's so bad. Yeah. Oh man. Wait. Kill kids now? That's what I have to do. That's a like first. It's like save life of wife. Is like, there anyone? Is kids? there anyone we're not killing? Is what yeah. He said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other funny thing was how George Lucas has an obsession with watching lightsabers fall down. That yeah. was so funny. There's Every time, always a cutaway George, shot when we see the reaction. <laughs> <laughs> 
All these lightsabers are constantly falling down. And they ironically pointed out the one time it doesn't happen is when Mace Windu gets his arm cut off and it flies off the yeah. building. Yeah. That would have been really, really stupid and <laughs> obvious. Shows the arm and lightsabers. Like, it's yeah. like a gag at that point. It's like a joke. Oh, man. It's so bad. Well, here's the thing about the prequels. I I can tell, I can see objectively that they're bad. Most people can. Yeah. Fortunately, I can enjoy those bad movies. Yeah. I like them. I do too. No, I totally get it. I, more than ever, I was like righteously mad when I was watching. I was like, oh my gosh. They're all the same. I generally shoot with two cameras. <laughs> my A camera? A my camera, B camera. B camera. Yeah, exactly. Because he does shot reverse shot over the shoulder. The <laughs> basic shot there is. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because... That's actually, I think, specifically in the beginning of Attack of the Clones, Obi-Wan and Anakin are in an elevator and they have an expository bit of dialogue talking about how good their friends they are. That is actually shot like a comedy. He didn't make this observation. I thought he was. But straight on, uh, side, side, those three. That's like how you shoot a comedy. It's so stilted that, like, it's like, it could be, it's like a, Yeah. Man, there's so many layers in a movie. That sometimes you'll see a shot that's so like the way the camera moves. It's so interesting, it'll just stick with you. Yeah. And it can be about something as innocuous as someone walking down a staircase. Like I that just sounds like fun. And it? I mean that's fun and all, but I was wondering how you, you got to have so many creative people coming together, all having good ideas that work together. But it's all for one purpose. It's to tell a story. So like it's, it, I would, it'd be hard as a creative person to go, your camera shot idea of this happening is so cool. But it is and crazy. I love it, but it doesn't help the story. It doesn't make it any better. So I got, I got like, that's got to suck. But Imagine, better to have more, yeah. too many good ideas than no ideas and just camera shots. Imagine, what a wasted opportunity. Sorry. No, I'm done. Imagine you had like... Your job, your life's work is to come up with camera shops, shots or whatever, and you come up with this amazing idea, and it's all intricate, and it's layered in movement, and it's really unique and cool, and it's like signature. It's like, this is, could be my big shot, the one that sticks with people, and you present it, and then it doesn't fit the narrative structure of the movie, and you, wouldn't you just be crushed? You'd be like, that's my baby. That's my shot, man. That was like, and, and everyone would look at it and be like, that's awesome. It just doesn't work. Yeah, well, better than go look at it and go, that doesn't work, and therefore just, it's not awesome. Let me just think. tell you, me, if I was directing a movie, if someone came up with a truly original shot that everybody looked at, it was like, that's a sh- that's the shot. If I had to change the whole movie so it fit the mood <laughs> of that shot, that that's the one that's going to stick with people. I was trying to think, what are some obvious, like, iconic shots? Matrix shot. There's a, there's a good example. Um, oh man, I'm sure there's several, several that stick in my mind. Like the movie that's all shot, like, like it's one long shot, the 1917 or whatever. Yeah. One shot takes what Wes Anderson doesn't really count. He has a straight on, usually symmetrical style, which is, it's like cinematography. I'm not talking about like a specific shot or I was talking about a specific shot. Yeah. But anyway, the point is star Wars. The most boring camera work possible. It's actually kind of kind of impressive. 
Yeah, when and you know that it's funny because like when they do get a unique shot, you can tell that they're like, we did a good thing, <laughs> and it's not that like when they open the shot and it goes upside down. It's like the very opening thing with its ship in space. Right, that and, goes upside and, down. Everyone's like, Revenge of the Sith. You mean? Well, in that one, it's like the long looking shot, but it's all CGI. Well, yeah, the beginning of Revenge of the Sith has a long scene, but it's all CGI. There was a relatively good shot of a camera following Grievous's spinning wheel, and yeah. when he took off and with Obi Wan, like that's cool and all, but it's all CGI, so it's less impressive. Yeah, as as far as like using a camera in the real world, and doing something cool with it, I don't know. It's weird to think about how bland some of the shots in that movie, those movies are compared to like smaller films may have more interesting camera work. Like Thor Ragnarok's a comedy. And they had some interesting shots. Like there's one when Loki and the girl are walking on a bridge toward the camera. Mm-hmm. So you're you're the, you're them on the camera. You're coming to me, and then I go up. Yeah, you go under, and like I just like that's something. Yeah. I don't know if it makes sense, but that's something. Star Wars even bought. It's, I don't know. I don't. One of the most of, famous shots of all time. Maybe I don't know. I wish I could remember the movie, but there's a movie that was made in the '80s, and the scene setting the scene is. One a family member is having an emergency, and a little girl is running through the house to go get medicine from the medicine cabinet in the bathroom or something. And the music is epic at this point. She's running in slow motion, and the camera is tracking this little girl up the stairs and around the corner of this hallway. All and it shows her from this distance the whole time running from from her face, Based, or from behind. For, no, from her face in front of okay. her. So the yeah. camera's moving backwards like this. Mm-hmm. It's the most impressive shot I've ever seen, and it was in the 80s. But basically, it shows her running up the stairs, turning a corner, turning another corner. And then it shows the girl reach out towards the camera and pull it away. And it, you realize you've been looking at the reflection of a mirror this right, whole time. Right, right. But I, it was like, how did the camera turn the corner? Yeah. That looks like one pure shot. It looks like turns I, that this sounds way. familiar. And then it shows in the reflection. It's it's incredible. It's trippy because at the end you realize it was you were you were looking at a mirror the whole time or something like that. And That's what it makes you feel like. Yeah, I, but it turns a corner. The camera follows her. At some point, there's a transition. That's you what can't I mean. Tell when it That's is. what I mean by shots. I yes. mean shots. What I mean is camera work specifically in a scene or a, a shot. And that would, I mean, I don't know that, but I think that's a good example. I'm sure a lot of people know of that. I wish I could and I know there the are many others, but Matrix is, was, how they did it was a bunch of cameras that took pictures. Mm-hmm. And it's like picture, 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 picture. And then a fly up. And they did that. Like so many cameras. And then you play them all. And it looks like slow motion. It looks like, because otherwise they couldn't move a camera out in real speed that fast. Anyway, yeah. that's iconic. Good times. It is and good. Star Wars is just eight cameras and B cameras. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even I'm even happy if a movie has unique shots, especially space movies, because you have so much freedom with space movies and Star you mean Wars CGI. Yeah, like just just images that are left with you. It can be CGI, and Star Wars has a couple, um, especially the newer Star Wars. The, the newer Star Wars three have good shots that are really pretty looking. Yeah, but, but that's. That's. I'm talking about the George like Lucas ones. Des- well, yeah. you just said okay. I wasn't paying. I was wrong. No, I'm, no I, I, I'm only bringing the new ones up because I'm talking okay. about how stale George Lucas's. Yeah, ones well, were. that 
I'm not saying you're wrong, but as far as shots go, I don't know about that. But the set design cinematography is good. It's good looking. But there's nothing that I can remember that was especially, ooh, that just got my attention because of how interesting that shot was, you know. Camera work-wise. Yes, and the new ones. The new ones, of course, look good. The planet with, like, the red undersoil is what stands out to me in the second one, the worst of the three. The re- Last Jedi, the le- Return of the Last Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I want to call it that. I I wonder, have you seen Have you seen all three of them? I've seen all of them. Okay, so A New Hope, Return of the Last, <laughs> Return of the Last Jedi, <laughs> and The Last Skywalker. <laughs> the Return of the Last Jedi. The, last the, ret- last the Return Jedi. of whatever. Yeah. Um, so I've seen them all once. Uh, I don't want to see them again. And I had this thought for a minute, like, which is worse, The Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker? I don't think it took me very long, but I know why I think one's worse. The difference is The Last Jedi or The Rise of Skywalker just seems incompetent. It's dumb. It's just dumb. It's dumb and it's dumb. The Last Jedi hates you. The Last Jedi hates its audience, and for that reason, because it's malicious, one's ignorant. Rise of Skywalker is is ignorant. Last Jedi is malicious, therefore, it's a worse movie. That's my opinion of it. Oh, I I would say I would say the exact same thing, but I would give that as credit to the to the worst to the 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 Return of Skywalker <laughs> because at least it wanted to do something and it accomplished that goal. Well, maybe it didn't want to. It wanted to do something, though. It didn't want to no. hurt you, but it did. I'm. Well, you're talking about Skywalker, right? The, the third one. Because I actually yeah. got... I have it backwards. I think, in a way, possibly, The Last Jedi, the second one, tried to do something, but it hated its audience, but it tried to be different. Okay. They tried. Tried. Yeah. The Last Skywalker, so. though, I don't... Yeah, they tried, but they what they were trying to do is they were trying to fix all the mistakes of the Last Jedi. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't trying so much. If it, if the if we're trying to give a sticker or a star for trying, I'm giving that to Last Jedi. Actually, I agree because okay. because it was like we don't know where we're going with this anyway, so let's let's write ourselves into corners, I, which good writers do actually. Good writers write themselves into corners and write themselves back well, out. Well, only if you write yourself out. That's which important. they didn't do. They got fired before they could write themselves out of it, which you is know, a real shame. You know, it absolutely baffles me. Perfect example because it's the biggest franchise, most expensive trilogy probably ever made. I don't know that for a fact. And they somehow, millions, billions of dollars are on the line. I don't understand this. This is business. Somehow, they cannot be bothered. To write a narrative structure for three movies, you don't have to write out all three, but like here's our here's our general structure. So we yeah. know. I don't understand how you can't be bothered to do that. Marvel kind of did that. We're, we're going to go to Thanos at the end. Okay. Yeah. First Star Wars starts. We don't know the, the villain's going to be in the end. You should have that figured out before you go spending millions of dollars and then losing. I don't understand it. Oh, so it's I, so bad. Let me try to guess. What's your guess? I'm guessing hubris. Is that the word? They just 
it's not that they don't care necessarily. It's that they believe no matter what they do, including less effort, it's going to make money. There was Star Wars or something. They think no matter what we make, it's going to make money, which ultimately is all they care about. But, and that I, that's my best guess. But at the same time, if your interest is making money, you could make sure you make money or have a better, by having a structure set out, you could make more money. Not to mention a good product, but... I get it. it. Baffles me. I'm okay. So you think about the best stories of all time, right? Uh, books or like movies. Yeah, just think about all the best general. ones. What's common about them? Movies or or all stories in general. All stories, including uh, movies or shows. Hero overcoming the villain and trying to make it as basic as okay. possible. So here's the first two I think of. I think Lord of the Rings. All right, it's established at the darn beginning of that book. Sauron's <laughs> the bad end. guy. We don't know much about him, but he's bad, and we got to get this ring to Mordor yeah. and get rid of this shit, right? <laughs> Avatar The Last Airbender. I think it's one of the best shows ever written. Yeah. You know right damn away we got to beat that Fire Lord, okay? You have an established goal, endpoint. Now, yeah. what's awesome about it is you have so much freedom in that because yeah. you can have all these side characters, spoilers alert, Zuko's a bad dude, Okay. You can you can establish through the whole first two and a half seasons of three seasons that he's bad and he keeps making bad choices and then surprise you at the end by saying, nope, we're going to redeem that character. And it's awesome when that happens because it's a surprise. They even have like the, the fame, fame going back good and then, nope, falter again. I have a good great. question for you. Great. It's freaking you. great because you know where it's going. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I interrupted. It's very important when you're writing crap out to know how it's going to end. I'm sure there are examples that have done the other have done otherwise and succeeded. In fact, I think Harry Potter was that way. I don't think she knew how it was going to end at all, except the, except the, the goal was stated at the beginning. You have to defeat Voldemort. Right. That's all you need. Is, which is all you need. Really. Yes. Anyway. There's so much freedom with that. How are we going to beat Voldemort? And what bugs me is how can you not think of that when you're making the biggest, most expensive? Anyway, I have a fun question. I think fun for you. <sighs> It just occurred to me when you were talking, they didn't necessarily know that they were going to redeem Zuko. So my question to you is, at what point during the whole saga do you think they decided we're going to make him into a good person? I happen to think it was pretty early. I think it was after, you know the show so much better than me, which is why I'm curious to hear what you think. I would think it was after the first season um, because he was... Not likable. Azula came in already in the first season, so I think they thought at the very end of it, like right, very, very right. End of but it. they're they're like they're they're already introducing a bigger villain, and I would think that people would have liked Zuko so much after the first one, not like a lot, but well, with Iroh, they thought, you know what, we can pass it on to Azula, and mm-hmm. we can make him because he's got some cool. I don't know when you write it, a good enough when, character. When you think, when you think that they decided to do that, because I don't think it was right away. I think it was day one. You do? I think it's more likely to be day one than any other day. Okay. Because because they were they were pretty thoughtful about a lot of things. Like they obviously went different directions at different points. And I don't doubt that. Because it, it I'm it completely the whole show has the appearance that that it wasn't planned from the beginning. There's mm-hmm. no jarring in the middle. Wait, what? Why so, is he making this change? It was completely natural. It does, but that I think what what they 
recognized. Maybe they stumbled into a great idea multiple times. That's it. Sometimes appears that way that they mm-hmm. just kept tripping into the next amazing literary motif that they just found by accident. But it could have been something like the other scenario I can picture is we write a bad guy Zuko, we make him complex, we make him have growth and then you realize holy cow where could this growth stop for this character and then you realize this could be a good guy if some things happen to him and then you make those things happen to him he falls you know whatever all that stuff so you could if you write a good enough character who's interesting enough you can you start to project hopefully for that character you start to embody them in your mind maybe i could see that happening too where they they wrote a bad guy and then you realized wait there's some great writing we've had with his lines and you can tell there's some complexity there. And then that eventually in your mind, complexity can grow into, I have to redeem this character. I don't know. What do you think? Well, if you're asking me, when do I think they decided? Either one's possible. Neither would surprise me, but what would surprise me the least is that, is that was made up right away. I was thinking about how he has the persona of the blue spirit and he he saves Aang, but not out of kindness. It's completely for his own ends. Mm-hmm. So it's not like at that moment in the story, the writers go, oh, maybe he's got some more complex. No, not really. He's still technically one-dimensional. I was trying to think about at what point, because this happens so seamlessly, I can't think of when it is. I'm sure you could watch, and there it is. The first moment when you realize there's good to him, Mm-hmm. That is, he's not complex because of his story, but complex in that he's having a duality between good and bad. Like when mm-hmm. did that happen? Is what I'm wondering. Because I, th- what, what do you think it happened? The, f- the start of the second season is what I would think. But that would be if there was a point, right, that the writers switched it. I'd it would be when he showed a good. Yeah, so many examples of that. But when was the first one? Zuko, well, the first one was when Zuko became the Blue Spirit and saved Aang, because that was in the first season. Yeah, but he did that for his own ends, not because he he wanted to save save Aang. He didn't care about Aang's life. He cared about his, and he couldn't have done that if he didn't steal him out of... Sorry for talking about some really specific stuff so you guys aren't following, but hopefully you enjoy listening anyway. Hopefully that. there's Well, there's also scenes like when he is going to kidnap the Avatar and he... And he take he's he takes him while he's in the spirit world or whatever, and they're hiding in the cave. And he's talking about how his life has been rough and everything, and and he, he's sort of processing himself why he's obsessed with this, and because this is like it's almost him. You kind of get to watch him become self aware of this is why I'm doing this. And so for that to happen, end of season one, and for to have Aang have saved him as many times as he has maybe at some point in his mind it's like okay there's some disconnect what i'm seeing isn't exactly accurate and i i now recognize that all these terrible things happened to me so maybe my perspective is a bit skewed i don't know maybe i'm attributing too much thought to it but now i next time i watch it through i'm gonna pay attention to when that is Mm. because he's (laughs) it happens pretty late he doesn't really grow a conscience in fact what I one of my favorite things about them writing his redemption arc is even after he chooses to be good, he doesn't really know how to do it. Like, yeah, it's so charming because yeah. he's just like, I choose good. Hey, so don't know what here. that looks like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I choose good. Don't know what it looks like. And so I'm just gonna do things and, and he's yeah. reciting or practicing out loud how he's gonna 
introduced himself as a good yeah. person. I was bad, but I'm good now or something it's like so that. It's so wholesome. You're right. Yeah. And it's so very, it's like true because <laughs> he stopped, he doesn't, all he wants is away from bad. He doesn't know what the other looks like. He just knows not that, you know, <laughs> it's so charming. I don't know. It's well written. It's good. Yeah, and they, I do think they kind of stumbled on some of it. It's so crazy, but. Yeah, at the end of season two, I think it's the end of season two, the fight in the crystal cave. Yeah. Was, yeah, I I remember watching it the first time and thinking, because they were, they were really teasing about whether or not Zuko is going to be good or not, or side with Azula or Katara or whatever. Yeah. And I was thinking. Zuko he's gonna, hasn't his low yet. No, I was like, he's going to be good, and it's going to be... Bo-. And then he was bad. I was like, Zuko keeps making bad choices. And I was like, yeah. Was like, was, you know, <laughs> That's a more, bad guy. More higher stakes, less predictable. I was like, yes, now where's it going to go? But yeah, they really... That really helped lead to them when he eventually did turn. That made it much more convincing and satisfying because he really struggled for a long time. They do this thing. Oh, man, I just love narrative patterns that they work. They do this thing where in redemption arcs, the best ones, it's like you're you're low, you're bad. And then you climb and you get as good as you can. And then you hit a new low. And after you hit the new low is when you soar. Exactly. It's sort of it's a motif in life. It's sort of like, wait, if you haven't hit your full low yet kind of thing. Hopefully you don't have to hit a low to get to your peak, but certainly when you've hit your lowest, as long as you survive, then that's your that's your chance for your potential to shoot you higher than you. After your low, the only you have after your lowest, there's only you can only go up. As I'm trying to say, yeah. Then you have if you hit your lowest, yeah. Have several beach episodes with your friends. (laughs) That's when you know that's your lowest. (laughs) We just watched the first beach one, and it's so great. Is that the one? Oh, yeah. I'll, you guys can indulge us if we're really getting into the show too much. It's um, it's fine. Is it the one? Is it the extra episode when it gives backstory to several of the Fire Nation characters? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Azula and May and Tylee and Zuko are on the island. They go to the party. Vacation. Home. So quotable. Yeah, like your arms are so strong. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, Together, we will be the most powerful couple in all the world. We will burn this place to the ground. Yeah, I gotta go. What was uh, (laughs) the line she said about, because it's so sharp. I don't remember what she said before that, but I was like, ugh, yeah. That's a sharp outfit, Chaz. You you can puncture the hull of a... Something cruiser or something with it? Puncture the hull of a empire... uh, Cruiser, battleship, battleship. I don't know. Because it's so sharp. sharp. Yeah, (laughs) I can't remember the line exactly. (laughs) It's so awkward and great. Oh man, character, you know. And then all the May and Zuko interactions are so uncomfortable. Yeah, I hate it when you hate the world. Uh, (laughs) I don't hate you. I don't hate you too. It's like so uncomfortable. It's like it's like emo kids. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they they lean into all the stereotypes. (laughs) That's so great. When he's all jealous at every guy, he's like, isn't your stupid boyfriend here? It's all very petty, but it's like totally believable. Oh, man. Anyway, I love that show. It's a treasure. I'm on my 21st time of watching it. How, well, you don't actually know it's your 21st, right? 
I'm pretty confident. Okay. Pretty confident I'm right. I think there are some episodes that I've probably watched over 50 times, but right. I think I think all the way through, this is my 21st. As I, be, I feel like I need to get it to where I've won for every year of my life, more, <sighs> th- more or less. So you're going to have to catch up, and then once you've had one every year, then you have to slow down to have it one per year. Yep. That's going to suck. You won't be able to do that. Yeah. I also don't want to, like, ruin a good thing because I've – Every time I've watched it, I've enjoyed it. And sometimes I've had a couple year breaks in between. Sometimes I've watched it three times in a year. It just doesn't, you know, sometimes it happens. (laughs) (laughs) It sounded like sex. I was here. Sometimes it happens. Or three times. Sometimes it happens. It's like just. (laughs) That's kind of how it feels. (laughs) Like, how did this happen? Hey, guys, you haven't seen Avatar Last Airbender. It feels like sex. So you should watch it. <laughs> and so it just happens once a year. So <laughs> gosh, it's so good. I, I want to just keep analyzing the best stories and see if that is correct. You know, the bad guy early, even if you don't know the name of the bad guy, you know that they exist. Oh, and they're so consistent. we're trying to think of <clears throat> shows where they've established right away what not the nec- I, goal I just want to think of the best shows ever, like the best stories ever. Okay. Like the archetypical hero stories where there's a bad guy. I'm going to be limited to movies because my knowledge is That's fine. You're not the only one cursed with knowledge. All right. I wish I could look at the movies on my shelf. That would help me, you know, visually. Gladiator. You know right away who the bad guy is. Right. You know who the hero is. Okay, so specifically the the question is... A story where the villain is established really early? No, I just mean good stories. Okay, so I wanna I wanna follow the example. My the formula for good story is you know the good guy right away. You can identify the bad guy really early on. Then you give the hero seemingly insurmountable odds yep. that he goes up against to get to the goal of defeating the bad guy. So in the case of Gladiator, it's he's up here. Caesar. Caesar, blah, blah, blah. And then the kid, the bad guy is bad. And then he gets, becomes a slave, more or less. Well, he becomes a slave. And so it's like, how's a slave going to ever get a chance to kill this bad guy? Yeah. And then one one thing after another happens and he finds a way. Not to, you know, spoiler alert, but he, he gets there and he does. Oh, it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's this? <laughs> but he get, he kills him. That was funny. He gets shanked. <laughs> I got shanked. I put that as a TikTok highlight. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to keep making TikTok highlights. We should do a TikTok highlight right now. To, uh, to how many belly buttons does it take for you to fart all over it? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the question. Okay. It. Comment, subscribe if you like this content. Also, how many belly buttons does it take? Like if you like belly buttons, share if you have a fart on it. <laughs> share if you have a fart on it. What? If you repost it, I'll send you my belly lint. Okay. <laughs> There's our highlight. That's <laughs> so stupid. Oh, man. I think Gladiator is one example. What are other examples? 
I'm just thinking good. Okay, what are other examples of good narrative structure? I like when he goes to this part and he talks like that. <laughs> and then it cuts off early. It cuts off early. That always makes me laugh. He's not the only person like to do that joke, but it always makes me laugh if it's, if it cuts off right before you know. It's hard to think of uh, movies without being able to see the or stories without being able to see my shelf. But there are other examples, I'm sure. That I think I know in my head somewhere. The book of stories. No. You don't know who the villain is for a while. So um, so but, not literally the villain, but you know the problem that's to be overcome. Well, yeah, you know, his goal is just to go west and get the book to a safe place. There you I mean, go. But yeah, that's why I was asking before if your question was about villains or having a an end goal established in the beginning, which is yes. what... That's what I mean. It's it's, like, sometimes that means kill the villain. Sometimes it means defeat the villain. Sometimes it means get to a place. I think the best blend, best mix, is when you have an end goal, but you have no idea how you're going to get there. That's fun. But I think it's possible for... And I'm going to make this distinction. I think it's possible for a, a narrative to be where you have, you have no idea what's going to happen next. You yeah. don't know what the end goal is, and it's just as entertaining. The difference is... <laughs> the writer has to know where it's going to end. That's important. Castaway. Okay, that's pretty, yeah. That's I'm trying to think of examples of what you're talking about. Yeah, you, you don't you don't know like something happens and you have no idea how they're gonna what's gonna happen next or how they're gonna get off the island in this case. But you know, mm-hmm. he's that's his goal, right? You don't know if that he will, I guess, right? But you know that that's what the hero's goal is. And so that's why, even though it's a movie about a guy on an island by himself, it's like, good movie. Everybody likes that movie because it's like, you know, his goal is get off this island. Forrest Gump doesn't have an antagonist or an end goal. And and, and obviously, that was my point, is it doesn't have to have that. But the, the, the... the writer has to know, and I say that because of Star Wars. They're gonna, I know they're gonna make three movies, but they don't even know where the third movie's gonna end. That's dumb. That's just d- anyway. We that don't have to know. A, no, it's. I feel like there's there, there should be some thing we can cross analyze about good things though. And if I even count Forrest Gump as a good movie, so how do we cross that? How do we? How do we? I'm trying to find the similarities. Cross as in find the common denominator, Com- commonalities. Yeah. Well. I don't know what, what's common between them, but I know that um, I would think in the case of Forrest Gump, what we have is a good character and we throw problems at him. And as long as we like the character, we're fine with watching him wherever he goes. But obviously there is a narrative thread about him. Um, well, I guess if there's a goal, he wants Jenna, if there is one. And so he's going after her, but as a result, he gets into or has to do other other things all these events in his life maybe it's maybe it's just a re it's maybe it's because as a short many short stories where the goal is always watch this character overcome hardship i'm sure that's possible but i'm trying to think if that's not the case because i was just thinking for a moment i'm thinking for another moment if you remove jenny from the movie it'd be a weird movie it wouldn't be very cohesive. It'd be like, it would be more, more, more so truly random events happening to a character. Jenny is, I think, is the narrative. Yeah, connection. I mean, what about Walter Mitty? A similar style movie. I did finally watch it. 
uh, it's also similar. He he likes a girl, and that's kind of his orientation through his events. The reason he goes on the trip is because he he sees her, you know. So I don't know how many times you've seen Walter Mitty or Forrest Gump, but take her out of that movie completely, out of Walter Mitty. I still like him. I still want to see the adventures he goes on. Um, it's a little bit different because in the beginning, you know that the Time Magazine place he works at is going to get closed down and he has to get this picture before it closes. There is a... yeah. So I guess that's not so much the focus. I think Jenny is the focus. So if I think if you took Jenny out of that movie, it's quirky now. I think you're right. She There's like one thread that weaves itself throughout it, and it's Jenny. It's the orientation. It, I don't want to say it's the goal, but it's the... It's it's the direction he's taking. Forrest Gump is events. the beads, and she's the string that holds all the beads to make a necklace. No, he's putting the necklace together, and the beads are the events he goes through. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. He's the he's the uh, tie thing, the, the clamp. Tie. He holds it all. The well, Jenny's the clamp. He's the string. The events are beads, and Jenny's the clamp that holds it. Together. Yeah, yeah, because he, the string, goes through all the beads. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Forrest Gump is a necklace, you guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, Walter Mitty would be weird without the girl, too. That's weird. Yeah, it's, I it, think in a way, love story, classic, but in the part, in the, to the point of the story, I think it just humanizes the character more. Mm-hmm. Makes him a little bit more relatable. We well, like his people. goal, it start the adventures start because he needs a more exciting dating profile, and eventually he realizes he loves adventures more than the idea of a relationship. Even though he, you know, now it's more possible or whatever, because it doesn't end with him in a relationship. It's just like hopeful. Yeah, yeah, that and Forrest Gump are similar, but they're not the same. No, mainly because Walter Mitty has an end goal right away. Or, has a you know where it's going yeah but you yeah, know Forrest Gump interesting example Forrest Gump it might be that his life is it that's it get to the end of his life even though it's weird because it doesn't end at the end of his life but it ends at the end of his life as people who was who were who was watching a life would find interesting like you would think once you've done all these adventures if you don't do anything like that anymore that's that's your life I want to disagree because it show it chooses to show us certain parts of his life. It shows us certain parts of him as a child. Right. And then it shows us, oh, I'm going to guess maybe a 10-year period of him being an adult. But there's a lot of his life we never saw. Sure, those parts were eventful, the parts we saw, but who's to say the parts we, we didn't see were eventful as well? There was a reason that those years were important. I think it was Jenny. Jenny was there in all of those moments. Yeah, and she wasn't. She's not going to be there in any of the other any, any of the other moments in his life. That could be right. So, that's still my guess. Yeah, bitch ass Jenny. Yeah, and she. We hate her, but she, the movie wouldn't work without her. So, yep. <laughs> we hate her, but he loves her, and that's what counts. Yeah, it is what counts. It's about him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I think I like that idea. Maybe that's why it works so well is because it recognizes that that I don't know what exactly to say this, but it, it doesn't really matter 
what you think that people should invest themselves into. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the thing about it that people find so attractive. It's like, well, in this story, it doesn't matter that she's a bad person and whatever, not to him. It's just that he loves her. And so then that's what makes it true. And so that's the, I don't know. It's, it's true because he does, even though maybe he shouldn't. And then that just, I don't know. I'm re- I'm repeating myself. I'm trying to find the best way to say it, but maybe you've got a better way to say it. I don't, but I think I have a new question. Unless you want to keep, I do. Do you want me to? Do you want me to like? No, unless you want to keep thinking about what you're thinking about. I realize you didn't have a complete. No, I want to. I would like to set it up so you have the best question possible. So is there a sound that you could you'd like me to perform for you? You can just mess around the piano. I have to think about how to phrase the question. But here I go. If you want to mess around. Wow, <laughs> that's gonna that creative this. juices shooting in my spine. I'm a, imagine my, I have a, an 80s movie and I have a computer for a brain. It's playing Pong <laughs> while you're thinking <laughs> in your mind. Stupid. Okay, so given, <laughs> given the movies that we talked about. You're talking about how you think, or maybe we were talking about how we think the best movies have an end goal in the beginning. However, Forrest Gump is great, and it does not meet that quota. I think you were asking this before. What makes a movie great if it's not if it's not about? You did ask this question. If an end goal being established in the beginning isn't what makes a movie great, because it obviously doesn't make every it obviously doesn't make every movie great. Forrest Gump was good without it. Therefore, what do you think makes a movie good? Ah, oh, it's so interesting. Well, I mean, this is a bitchy answer, but a lot of things make it good. A lot of things are important, but that's a hard, fun question. If there was one thing that's important, the story. Um, yeah. So not all, I think a story is the answer. The thing is not all stories need, they don't need to have an established end point. That's a, a little wishy-washy. But maybe it does because it, it was about Jenny. So it, right. it, the established end point was when she died. Okay, so what you're saying was you have to ask Forrest Gump. We'd have to find a different example of where there was no clear objective and it was great. Interesting. Yeah, I'd love I to look at my shelf now and go, ah, this one. Uh, unless it's a comedy. I can think of comedies that are like, they don't have, like, I'm thinking yeah. of Strange Brew. Have you ever watched that movie? No, but uh, no. I What? I guess that one kind of has a goal. It's about these two Canadian buddies who are just bums. And so, and they run out of beer. And so they decide to go to the brewery and ask them for beer. Um, and when they go there, they, they are, they're caught into a ruckus because like of ownership change and there's corruption in the company. And so they're just these two bumbling idiots in this brewery. We're talking like this, eh? Trying to get their beer, eh? Their brewskis. And they're just, they happen to run into all these people doing all these things. And so they become witnesses of all these crimes and whatever, but it's, <laughs> it's really great and it's a good comedy, but I guess their end goal is got to get brewskis. Yeah? But yeah. it's not a good goal, but it is still the goal. And yeah. then all the other things are what makes the movie interesting. <sighs> Fight club does not have an end goal. Who is Tyler Durden? no, that that question wasn't posed until maybe toward, you know, this is the beginning of the movie. We know where this character wants to go. So whatever his name is, the real Edward Norton. 
Maybe the goal is what's wrong with Edward Norton's character. Something's we're not wrong. as an audience. We're not. We're not wondering what's wrong with him. We don't know what. We don't know what's happening or where it's going. It's it's fascinating. I think you do know what's happening. I think you know that he's got narcolepsy. And he's got all these problems. And yeah, like, but you don't. You do not know. You do not know that he has a second personality. We know, the, the but question, you know he's got a problem. Yeah, characters can have problems, and they're interesting. Forrest yeah. Gump had a problem. Yeah, he had problems. His mom, whatever. Yeah. The question is: Was it ever established in the beginning where we're going? And I don't think it was at all. Edward Norton, if anything, he wanted to collect furniture. If anything, it's like he where he didn't talk about retirement or some. Go- no, 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 no. You're right. But but okay, so it's not, a, a destination isn't always like an accomplishment, or I think it really a destination. Okay, wait, wait, wait. A destination is only in movies, maybe in narratives in general. It might only be an accomplishment, and maybe the accomplishment in Fight Club is figure out what's wrong with Edward Norton. Because that's basically what it's about. It's no. the movie establishes right it's, away. I'm talking about I can't the, sleep. It's the narrative. screwed up with me. So, Are you saying... I'm sure I know this movie better than you. I'm not saying you're wrong. Um, but are you saying that Edward Norton's character goes, I need to find out what's wrong with me? Because that's all that matters. The audience goes, what's wrong with Edward Norton? What we are thinking isn't part of the narrative. We're talking I'm, about the structure th- of the story. I think... Sorry. No, I'm done. I think he doesn't care if he figures out. He just just recognized that I just have narcolepsy and that's not a problem. I think what he realizes is it is a problem. And now then the it becomes self-evident what the movie is about at that point. Because it's like, oh, he needed to. Okay. He needed to figure out what was he needed to here, get fixed. Here's the closest approximation to that. One of his goals is to cure or fix his inability to sleep, his narcolepsy. And so he goes to a doctor. He, try, he doesn't try a lot of things, but he tries things. He gets desperate enough to find these uh, groups. Yeah. Problem solved. Movie's over in 10 minutes. No, that's not the end goal, but that was his only goal. Right. And then he accomplished his goal until well, what's her name showed up. And now the movie starts. I don't see a, a direction after that. There's well, no end you have goal. to also account for the fact that heroes in a movie can when they realized that their goal wasn't good enough or it wasn't I thought about enough. that while you were talking. I thought, yeah. I'm sure there's an example of... He needs a better goal. goal in mind, and we think we're going there, and the, and the hero thinks he's going there, but then he ends up going in a completely different way. It's like if the Hobbit started, we need to go to the mountain and get the treasure and stop Smaug or whatever, and then halfway through the movie they go, it's a trap. We can't go to the mountain. We have to go to this place, and we have to build this and this, like... If that yeah. happened, that's like a kind of a twist. I it's don't actually know. kind of Lord of the Rings. So the whole goal is get the ring to Rivendell, and then it's like now I need a bigger. Now they, the hero gets a bigger kinda, goal. Yeah, kind of. This whole thing is just get well, it to Rivendell. It's established halfway through the first movie, which would be like one sixth through the movie, and that's early enough to me to consider to the whole trilogy. It's early enough to me to consider it being we have a goal established. But uh, I'm gonna still hold on to the fact that I don't think Fight Club has a. But if you're not satisfied with it, I can think of more. I'm fairly convinced that a movie can't be good without an end goal established early on. Maybe not early on. It does have to have within the first half is what I'm gonna mean by early. I mean that's that's generous. I I would argue Fight Club has one early though, because I really do think uh, the whole thing is Okay, here's a question. 
Here's a question. In the first half of the movie, can you discern that they want to blow up the credit card buildings? No. Well, that's you not what the movie The movie isn't about him blowing up the credit card buildings. What's it about? It's about him. The movie's about him and his revelation that who he is isn't what he thinks he is. And he, re- he realizes he has a problem. It's about him realizing he has a problem. So the whole movie points to that early on. It says he's got a problem. Figure it out. Like that's, it's like, it, does, it doesn't tell him or us to figure it out. No, but, but it does. It does. It doesn't tell you outright to, it doesn't make it obvious. But I think that, I think that just by introducing the fact that this issue is occurring, it says either this is going to be a major part of the story or it's going to reveal itself to be the major thing about the story, which it does in the end. Okay. I don't agree, but okay. I'll, I will accept your axe and just remove that example. I'll think of another yeah. one. The next one that came to mind is similar. Oh. I haven't thought through, but Joker. How many times have you seen it? Once with Once. you. Okay, so. And goal is how did the, the Joker get made? The Joker is he wants to find the truth about his dad and himself. And he does figure that out before the end. When does he figure it out exactly? I think it's two-thirds through the way. But early on, you see that he wants to... But I don't... I think Fight Club's a better example to prove my point that I was... My assertion I was trying to make. But I think Joker kind of fits into that too. I don't think there's a clearest, clearly established... This character needs to achieve this by the end there wasn't that we have his motivations for things the fight club was way more ambiguous it's like Tyler I his, literally his character was to let go and just let things happen but this the Joker character kept finding things he wanted to do or get out of or you know but at the beginning there was no that one's easy to meet for me to see I think it I don't think that counts you because that's obvious, right? The the whole Joker movie is about how did the Joker become the Joker, and it's and it's a it's a narrative storytelling of at the end of this movie, this man who is this thing will become a different thing. That's the goal, and it's okay. made obvious in the title. Okay, that I understand. I understand that completely. Okay, the goal is to see how he transforms and becomes this person. By the end. He needs to be this person. Right. But I get that. And it's a fun movie because he starts as this thing. And it's like, how could this thing possibly become this And while this it's thing? not explicitly stated in the narrative, <laughs> I have to become the Joker. Yeah. We as the audience know and the writers know. That's what's important. Yeah. But Fight Club, the characters don't know and the audience doesn't know. I think I, well... I didn't, I, I'll I'm think not, of another one if you want. <laughs> I'm just doing a really job of explain, bad job of explaining it. It's so it's so obvious to me that it is the narrative of like the movie is about his illness. So it's so obvious to me that the whole movie is about that f- diagnosing it, figuring it out. It, it reveals itself that that's the obvious point when you realize you come to the crux. You're like Tyler Durden is him. This is just a split personality. What? That's like that's that's the movie when people are like what's Fight Club about? It's about a guy who realizes at the end that he's not that he's another guy who he just imagined this whole time. Don't tell anybody that though if they've never seen it before. Right, right. I 
I hope, oh, man, I've said spoilers earlier, yeah, but sorry. I hope people yeah. know. We'll have to put spoilers I, no, I for all movies. I didn't mean that for our listening or yeah. so. That's kind of true. I meant if you, if you say it to anybody else. In the, oh, I, you couldn't because it's then there's no reason to watch the movie. <laughs> there's a precise because like you said, if you watch the movie without there being a point, it wouldn't be interesting. That's that goes to prove my point. Like if you told someone the movie's about how how Edward Norton is Brad Pitt, they would be like, oh, and it, it would still be entertaining, but they wouldn't they wouldn't get the story because the story is sort of meandering like you said but i think it is about what's wrong with edward norton i think i know what you're saying but i disagree okay that's okay i i think i could probably do a better well i know i could do a better job of explaining because i i think if you saw it the way i saw it you'd be like oh of course yeah well yeah maybe someone else knows how to explain it yeah there's probably a word for that in in film theory about structuring a film so that we have the end goal in mind. There's probably a word for that. That stuff mm. interests me, but I have no idea if it exists and what it is. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder how generous the audience is with people because clearly some movies have a longer time. Like, you know, it's a bad movie when it doesn't have like star Wars did. It doesn't really have an ultimate bad guy and you don't really know where it's going. Like the first three were great. Cause you knew the bad guy was Darth Vader and Darth Sidious, blah, blah, blah. And that's why everybody likes them is because you know that. But then they got this weird thing. We got it. Well, the end goal of Star Wars is we got to stop the Death Star before it kills everybody. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's, that's another one too. It's weird because they had that at the end of the first movie and then they kind of brought it back for, to end the third one that way. <laughs> yeah. But that was the, the end goal. Pretty clear. Mm. And then the reason that I think that some people still actually like the prequels other than the fact that they're they are fun at parts um is because that technically does have an end goal and Mm -hmm. it's make anakin darth vader yep and and it does do that it delivers on that it makes him that it does it in just a terrible way Mm -hmm. but but i think that that's the reoccurring theme is it makes a promise and it and it fulfills it two things one that relates exactly to how you said the joker and goal was same thing. This character needs to transform into this one. Yeah. It does the origin it? story. But it also <laughs> there's a lot of uh, animated shows or whatever about the prequel era for Star Wars and they fill in so many of the gaps. Like the fans in time in the tr- original yeah. trilogy and this prequel like a, the prequel Clone trilogy. Wars. Yeah, and and they do a really good job of if you I haven't seen them all, but if you have seen them it makes the prequels way more enjoyable. For example, that scene I talked about in the beginning of Attack of the Clones when Obi-Wan and Anakin are up the elevator talking about all the good times they had. But we as I was like, what? I don't believe <laughs> yeah. these two as friends. I've never seen them be friendly to each other. There's like hours of that in cartoons. So if you'd seen that and then jumped to the elevator, you'd go, yeah. You know, you'd feel for the characters. <laughs> yeah. But that's bad. That's a bad job on the movie. The movie should, you should never leave it to the audience to imagine a friendship. To answer questions that the movie poses, mm-hmm. that's bad writing. Man, writing Lazy. I think is the, I think writing is the toughest and most important part of a movie. That depends. I mean, it depends on the movie. If you make it a, an improv comedy, maybe. But like, the task I would be most afraid of, like I can't fuck this up, would be writing. That'd be the one. Yeah. Well, okay. So it's either the toughest job if you know you need to do a good job or it's the easiest job when you don't think you do. 
Say it again, but a little bit slower. It could be the easiest job in the world, but then you just probably make a bad thing. So if you're aware that it's up to you, Uh then it's the hardest job in the world. Because you can write the most important. I don't know. You can write a bad thing really easy. It's hard to write a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. I was trying to make a joke, but it's like not a joke because it's true. I was thinking too seriously, but yes, it was a joke. But it is true too. It's yeah. like you can you can write a crappy thing really easily. Uh, exhibit A. I used to write uh, a book series called Sparky the Dog. I was like eight, and I wrote five books at my house, and it was about Sparky the Dog becoming a firefighter, and then Sparky the Dog saving um, people from a fire building. There was two different ones about him being a firefighter in different ways. One of them, he actually was a firefighter, and the other one, he just saved people from a fire. This would have been a lot funnier if you hadn't um, mentioned that you were eight years old. <laughs> I used to have this book series about a dog named Sparky. He used to be a firefighter, and you say, like, it's a casual. I'm no writer. Yep. <laughs> and, and I had it with, I was eight, you know. I had one where Sparky became a police officer. Um, I don't think he did anything with that, <laughs> but he did become one. And I had one where he went back in time, but we didn't really know where. I think dinosaurs were there, but... Yep. Sparky uh, the dog. Uh, I wrote those really easy. <laughs> <laughs> they were really bad. <laughs> they were like five pages each of book. And it was basically Sparky went to the future. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> Sparky went downstairs and then he said, what is that? Oh, it's a time machine. Oh, how does this work? And then he went to the future. The end. That's a story. Sparky. <laughs> That's a story. <laughs> Let me just tell you. But it was not good. That's my point, is I did it really. Anyway. Oh, man. I was using a dumb example to prove my point that it was really easy to write those. Yeah. Um, they just weren't very good. That's funny. It makes me want to write a good Thing. That'd be hard. It's hard to write good, though. I know. Write a good Sparky the Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine, like, number one New York Times bestseller? Sparky the Dog goes firefighting, yeah. comes home, finds his wife cheating, and so it's he like, gets a divorce, but then, like, one of his kids loves him, and the other two are like, kind of indifferent, and so his favorite child has to kind of cajole one of the two that's indifferent to go with the dad, because if the mom... Okay, I'm done. Yeah. Sparky. It gets like really dark. Sparky the Sparky the dog has, like has a nice a nice title. Sparky yeah. the dog has like a cute becomes a firefighter, uh, and he has an underlying alcohol uh, problem. Yeah, alcohol, definitely, <laughs> definitely alcohol. Sparky the dog. He went to the bar. <laughs> His favorite tender was there. Tender chicken one. <laughs> chicken one. Uh, a chicken one. <laughs> What kind of bartender are you? A chicken one. Hello, can I get some tenders? The chicken ones. I'm like what? Okay. I want. I want to like if a bartender has like like a ID or something like such and such bartender. I want to just like like add chicken to the center bar chicken tender. Yeah, I don't know. There's something there. <laughs> There's something there. I had a. I had a conversation with someone at work this week and it was about like someone some higher up and we were direct messaging because i needed to meet about regarding some processes we do at work and how people are messing up 
And I basically said, hey, we got to talk about this thing. And she was like, all right, I, I'm sorry. I've been busy all morning. I've got to appease the financing gods. And I said something. Yeah, we wouldn't want to incur their wrath IRA. And I said, that's what I wanted to say, but I won't dare make that joke. And she didn't respond. And I was like, oh, man, I oh. I, I go out on go out on a limb here with a joke <laughs> once in three years and it doesn't land. What's, it, was, it was pretty bad. What's Roth mean? It's like Roth IRA. It's like an IRA joke about financing or whatever. Oh, okay. That see, sucks. that's why it doesn't land. It wasn't funny. I was but like, wouldn't want to go there. She Roth. should know that. Yeah. That's disappointing. Well, and it's okay because I actually knew it was a bad joke, and that's why I said that's what I would say, but I won't <laughs> say that because I'm not dumb. But then I think she reacted to the message like a little happy face or something. Oh, I, I like, thought this was something you said. Uh, I was I like, thought you said IRA, IRL. I thought you said the no. joke in real life. No, no, no. I, no, I said it on Messenger. Okay. It was one of those sort of things I typed out and like, I work at a professional job. I'm not going to send this. Ah, uh, so that, yeah, the yeah, context, send. that context makes it a little bit more like unwelcome to make a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Formal. Like, whereas if it was just an exchange in person, that probably would have gone over yeah. pretty well. But, well. Oh, yeah, sure. But, but I just mean, but that's because I'm performative. But I, I just mean, I don't know. I, I'm not very social at my job. I literally just go there and I mm. talk to two people, maybe, and sometimes never them. And then I go home. And it's because I, well, noise. Because I haven't done it. I haven't done it in the past. And so when someone comes to me and says something like, I have to appease the financing gods, I think that's a joke to me, <laughs> a nobody at this place. And so I, I can do a joke back. I have one free joke ticket. I better make it good. Wouldn't want to incur the financing gods Roth IRA. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I was embarrassed at myself. Not that embarrassed because I would do that anyway, but <laughs> it didn't stop me. It didn't. I literally <laughs> typed it out like, that's dumb. Center. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many of us have done that? Type out, that's fucking retarded. Send it. You know, just go with it. That's that's dumb. What? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. We basically just talked about movies this time. Yeah, we, we've talked about movies before, uh-huh. but I don't know what we're going to call it, but we need to end it because I got to upload this before I go to bed. Okay. Hey, are you? If you know what I mean. Yeah, that could be sexual. It doesn't work. Are you leaving town tomorrow? Is that something that's happening? Nope. Postponed for a couple more weeks. Oh, we didn't have to do this tonight then. No. Man. <laughs> Sorry. I, I was having a fun night with... With my friend. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm having a fun night with my friend now, too. Aw. <laughs> but I am sad that I left that other one. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <sighs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to ruin your night. I forgive uh, but you. But I'm, I'm glad you came. I'm sorry that I was a lousy replacement. That's I okay. say that with a tiny bit of that... Uh, Mom manipulated, mom manipulative kind of. I'm saying a nice thing, but you should feel bad about it. Well, I don't. <laughs> no, I do. I don't know. I actually kind of zoned out, so I don't know what you said, but no, uh, I was thinking about. Don't worry about else. it. You got the rest of tonight and all weekend. You kids can stay up late. I got to go to bed. All right. Can we kiss after this? You and me? You no, and I on the lips? Get your other friend for that. 
Okay. End the episode on the big right. camera over there. All right. The listening show. A show you can listen to. We'll see you next time. We'll, we'll see you. We'll see you next time. Stop interrupting me. We'll see you next time.